Hello everyone, Angela Peart here and welcome to the Women's Utilities Network One for All podcast, our corner of the world where we will be talking all things utilities, careers and everything in between, equipping you with the knowledge and skills you need to build a long and lasting career. Enjoy! and welcome to our latest one podcast this week it's national fertility awareness week and this episode focuses on this very important topic fertility treatment is increasing in the uk in fact around 68,000 treatment cycles are carried out every year and approximately one in six couples are affected to add to this statistic one in eight women of reproductive age face problems when trying to conceive a child naturally and the majority of whom will be in employment Unfortunately, there are big gaps when it comes to policies and guidelines within the workplace. This is causing barriers for women and men who are undergoing treatment. And aside from the workplace, there's also a lot of stigma when it comes to talking about infertility and a taboo that needs to be lifted. Our episode host is a very inspiring lady who is experiencing her own fertility roller coaster, but has taken her experience to make a difference and to build a network and a process within her workplace. And not only this, She's also sharing her story publicly through her social media channels to offer some awareness and support to others who might face a similar journey. So I'd like to introduce Kellyanne Morris. She's a She's Advisor at Cadent. Kelly, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and why you're here today to talk to us. Lovely. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm a She's Advisor at Cadent. So for anyone that doesn't know what that is, it's basically the lovely world of health and safety. Um, So it comes as a canvas over a lot of different topics. So safety, health, environment and security, um, in which I have a big passion for mental health and especially when people are going through different things under that health umbrella. So as well as doing that as my day to day role, I'm also the founder of the infertility awareness and support community within Cadent as well. Um, So a lot of that passion has come from my own experiences, which I'm sure we're going to touch at throughout this podcast. day-to-day life really and so I have a partner and he has two children as well that live with us half the time as well as that we have a crazy cockapoo a cat and two rabbits so I like to keep myself very busy in and out of work wow (laughs) sounds great sounds busy Okay, yeah, so thanks for joining us today. So today's episode is actually part of focusing on National Fertility Awareness Week um, and the challenges that women face whilst trying to balance their career with personal elements of their life. Very important factor is fertility. And I know you're going through your own journey at the moment. So would you tell us a bit about your story? Yeah, definitely. So it was a fair few years ago now, um, before I was even thinking about having a family, I was just going through some struggling times as we do as a woman and I decided to have some investigations done Um, and I actually found out that my fallopian tubes um, were blocked and surrounded with liquid which is actually a scientific name it's called hydrosal pinks. In 2018 I actually had to have keyhole surgery to have both of my fallopian tubes removed. At the time for someone that was single and not even thinking about having kids you then kind of face this aspect of being told the only way you can conceive children in the future is if you do have some help from science and go down the IVF route. So I kind of had a little bit to deal with there, but then I kind of parked it because it wasn't something that I was actively looking to do at that time. Rolling on to December 2020, uh, myself and my now partner 
we then wanted to have a look at how we could start having you know looking into having a child of our own um so we did start looking at IVF and we were lucky enough to find out that we were entitled to one round of IVF um, on the NHS so it could actually be funded in a lot of areas this isn't always the case and there's a dreadful thing called the postcode lottery so depending on where you live you're entitled to different types of funding Oh, that's crazy. I have heard about this. It's uh, It doesn't make sense, but I'm glad yeah, that you were yeah. able to. <laughs> Definitely. So it's a very hot topic. Um, so we were actually referred by our GP for IVF in the December. And obviously, because it's lockdown in COVID times, everything's a little bit different. So we had our first telephone appointment in February 2021. Um, so Within that time, I had to lose a little bit of weight as well because your BMI has to be a certain amount. So we did that by by that appointment. And then also for the next few months on from there, we then just had to have some further investigations to make sure, you know, everything else was okay. And then we were to start our first round of IVF in August. So it's not always straightforward. I thought Mm -hmm. it would be. Um, the first round of our IVF was actually abandoned because I wasn't responding to the drugs as well as what they would hope. So we had it abandoned, which obviously then is an emotional roller coaster. Um, and then it pretty much a week later, we then started again. Right. So we started again. And again, it's all the injections and meds. So you just kind of feel like a crazy woman while you're getting through <laughs> all of that with your hormones. Oh, yeah. Um, Poor thing. And then unfortunately, that, that round did end up uh, with a negative. Uh, result from that so it's then dealing with all of that and even you know you're always waiting up until you can have IVF you're then waiting for every appointment and I think the hardest Mm. part of that journey for me was when we finally got to have that embryo transferred it's then called the two-week wait I think mine was approximately 10 days and it's the hardest time because you have to live as if you're pregnant but you don't know if you are and if it's going to stick around and you know all of that so that's kind of where we where we left it up to um in September I can imagine those 10 days are like 10 years aren't they just just waiting yeah definitely and you know you've kind of always got it in your head like shall I test now shall I test now but if you test too early it might be the trigger injection that's still in your body so it could give you a false positive um if you're then leaving it and you test too early it might be negative when really you might get a positive if you wait a bit longer so you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you test early but in your mind that's all kind of what you want to do yeah I guess you've got to try and stay kind of or stay calm throughout it all as well so not to you know just 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 to let your body do its thing as well yeah I think that that's one of the things that every clinic will tell you you need to not stress and make <laughs> calm and relax and I can yeah. tell you now it's one of the most stressful times oh, yeah. I've ever experienced <laughs> oh I'm sorry of course it is like yeah it's a catch-22 isn't it because you just can't well th- thank you for telling us your your journey it's it sounds uh, a diff you know ups and downs for you um I guess for many like yourself the journey to parenthood isn't straightforward and it can be both emotionally and physically challenging not to mention like you're saying the treatment um the impacts on your hormones on life have you have you found it difficult to manage all this alongside your work and and career definitely um looking looking back now I can see how much I was really struggling with it and Mm -hmm. at the time 
you're trying to be positive and optimistic that it's going to work, but then you're also trying to keep grounded so you don't get too excited in case it doesn't work. So, and especially while you, you know, while you're on all these meds, you need to have injections at certain times in the day. And I couldn't personally do my own injections. I got my partner to do mine for him, for me. So then it's kind of trying to think what's the best time to do that. We didn't tell my partner's kids what we were going through. So we kind of had to, you know, make sure we were doing the injections at times where they weren't around or hiding away kind of thing. Mm. And then while you're on all of these different medications, like like I say, you are sometimes you like really emotional, want to cry at like the, the smallest thing. Yeah. Or someone could say something to you and you want to bite their head off. So <laughs> oh, no. I suppose yeah. going through this in lockdown has kind of been a blessing because yeah. I haven't been out and about as near as much people. Mm. You know, I haven't been constantly stuck in meetings with a lot of people. I've been mainly working from home. Um, I guess you've that space, haven't you, to you could just turn off this video if you're not, you know, feeling like you can. Yeah, definitely. Look at people, yeah. Yeah, I think. I've been looking in a sense that my my work have been really supportive. Um, so because of COVID and everything else going on, I actually um, had a note from my doctor to say, basically, I was working from home and I wasn't going to put myself in situations where I was meeting lots of different people. Because if obviously, if I did contract COVID or I had to isolate, that would then delay our IVF cycle. We might have had to postpone it. So my work were really accommodating. So, you know, between the myself and my colleagues they picked up bits for me that I couldn't go out and do and then I picked up bits for them where I could do that from home so we kind of spoke about that and you know my colleagues and my manager I was open with them about what I was going through because I didn't want them to think oh you know she's slacking with her work oh, <laughs> by not doing yeah. certain things um so yeah I've, I've had a, a really great support network um with work and also you know my friends and family I think especially with our workplace it's identified that that there is a gap in our current policies there's nothing you know Mm -hmm. fertility based there's family provisions which you know talks about when you are pregnant but there's nothing for that kind of interim I was going to ask actually yeah you know it sounds like your employer have been really supportive but were the right company resources there and available because I know this is all something that um they're looking at widely um you know nationally is is whether companies are you know looking at this uh, in the the you know with the value that it deserves so yeah I mean me personally I'm, I as soon as I knew I was on this journey I pulled up a, a load of facts and figures and you'll be astounded you know how many <laughs> it's one in six couples in fertility effects yeah. and then if you have a look at the percentage of people that suffer with depression and even even like suicidal thoughts that you know the worst kind of times and it's our company supporting their employees while they're going mm. through that and not everyone's even comfortable to talk to their manager about it because you do have to run off for a lot of appointments. A lot of them, you you know, you you made aware of 24 hours before if that. So yeah. if, if you haven't got a policy that states that, I mean, my manager was lovely. You know, he let me run off for all my appointments. But then if you haven't got anything in writing, other managers might, you know, want you to take it all out of your holiday allowance. And there's no mm-hmm. right or wrong if you haven't got a policy that's in place. But then are your employees being treated fairly when one's being treated one way by one manager and another by another? So I think that's kind of what's led me to share my story more in the workplace, because by sharing it, because it is quite a taboo subject, it's then also raising awareness of infertility and what people have to go through 
in which, you know, my workplace has been really supportive in that, that aspect. So it's kind of just trying to juggle everything. But I mean, I've had times where I've gone to an appointment, like when our first round got abandoned, I was at work when I found that out. And it was a case of, you know, I was lucky I could work from home because I was very teary. And yeah. I can't remember if I had any meetings that day, but if I did, I would have postponed them because I wouldn't have been in a position to speak to people. But have you got a job where you're in an office and you're with people taking customer calls all day? How supportive is your manager going to be if you say, I don't want to go on the phones today because you're very teary? So yeah. it is a difficult one. And it's something, it's it's so important that you get that downtime. You know, this is, it's, it's a big thing to coping with. And, um, you know, you need, it's important that you, yeah, you get that time to look after yourself and, and kind of take it all in without, yeah, you know, the stress of, um, work, work, I guess. So that, that balance. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really inspiring to hear how you set out to make a difference at work and raise awareness. Um, tell us a bit about your, I guess your experience in the positive driving force um, you're creating at Cadence. Yeah, so it was definitely once I started the IVF journey. I suppose like other people, you don't really know about IVF unless you're going through it. There's not really a push for you to look at it unless you're involved in your own journey or someone else's, for example. Mm. So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, it, it, it was clear that there's a gap in our current policies. So where I mentioned the family provisions policy and there's a sickness policy, but nothing really picks up fertility um, exactly. I, I think when I first found out I had to go on an IVF journey, um, I emailed HR like asking what policy I needed to look at. And I was directed to those two, which obviously didn't give me the answers that I was looking for. So straight from then is when I teamed up with our Women in Cadence team. And I said, look, I've identified a gap here. I'm not really sure how I go about it, but can you help me? Um, And they're lovely. So they kind of set me up with the right people with HR. And, you know, I presented a big PowerPoint full of all these facts and figures and some key asks of what I wanted. And those key asks include things like, um, you know, the, the... current support that we have in place there's nothing fertility focused if I was to ring our employee assistance program for example and I said you know I want some kind of counseling it would always be generic counseling rather than anything fertility focused so can we have some training material some awareness material can we have training for managers on how to deal with it so you could have male managers that that are uncomfortable when women speak about periods let alone (laughs) (laughs) how how can we support them to deal with that so these are some of the the areas that we are picking up and we are working on and I think the policy is the next thing that we're going to be looking at within the next couple of months but for the time being um I've kind of you know took it upon myself and then got got the title of the founder of the infertility and, and awareness and support at the workplace so we've got um, a SharePoint site, which is full of resources, which I've put together and also other people, you know, have come forward and said, oh, you know, this this bit of documentation has really helped me. Can we add this on? And, you know, it's kind of like a collated area of lots of information if people want to take a look. As well as that, we have a Yammer group. So, you know, this is just on day things where people can have a chat and also our monthly stories that I share. So we call them hashtag my stories. And it's like a news article that we share on a monthly basis and it's a real life story that someone's willing to share so the first one was mine kind of to get the ball rolling and since then we've had 
someone come forward each month and share their story. And because it's a real life person that people know and recognize and don't necessarily know that they've been on this journey, they've clicked on it, have a read, and they're getting hundreds, if not thousands of views, which again, is then spreading awareness and people are like, oh my gosh, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know about that. So these are all the things that we're doing at the minute. And you know, now we're looking at doing lunch and learn sessions. So we're, we're talking about all these um, kind of subgroups. So infertility being one of them. And then there's some others. Um, and then the next big step is is the policy. Wow, that's great. It sounds, I like that how you're um, a, st- starting a movement and, and getting people much more engaged around the subject, but also um, not only looking at it from um, the point of an individual that's going through their own infertility or or fertility journey but also those around that want to support but maybe aren't used to these situations like you say about the awkwardness you can get um you know with men you know if if we mention that that p word so I think yeah it sounds great what you're doing um yeah I'd love to hear more about the network how it's going I guess has it been well received um sounds like people are coming forward from what you're saying and, and they're starting to to talk about it and benefiting from from the support yeah definitely so we can see like you know the views and the interaction that are happening on the SharePoint sites and how many people are going on there and using the materials available and then as I said those those real life stories as well is where we get the most interaction and I think one of them um in particular springs to mind for me is because it it you know it was a man's side of the story and Mm. infertility as a whole is a, is a taboo subject you don't really hear many people talking about it but it's very rare that you'll hear a man talking about it coming forward yeah um, so you know one of the stories was about um a guy who's who suffered you know on his side of things um and how he got through it and you know he was lucky enough he, he's got a, a son now that's in his 20s and oh. I've worked with this guy for the whole for my whole career and I didn't even know wow. that he'd ever been through something like this um yeah. and you know people do reach out in all different ways they comment like share and if they're not comfortable doing that sometimes they'll just send me an email and you know we'll just kind of come forward and, and talk to me that way and I do have um some supervisors ringing me now and they'll ask me oh I've got someone on my team they won't necessarily disclose who it is because that person wants to keep it private but yeah. they'll just ask for support on that way and what we can, you know, what we can offer at the moment. That's wonderful. It's wonderful that, um, like I say, suddenly by by talking about it, people, other people are coming forward, tell their stories, um, you know, and, and some really positive outcomes that it can probably lift people's spirits as well if they're going through, um, you know, their own difficult time. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's really wonderful. So as, as well as your sharing your story at work I've also I've been following your uh, journey on YouTube and it's incredibly inspiring and positive and and I think it's wonderful that um, women and men like yourself document and share their personal experiences so not only showing sort of how real the subject is but also raising awareness so what inspired you to sort of share your journey so publicly so I've I've always been an oversharer I'm very much <laughs> I need to speak to people you know have that chat with people so you can kind of go back and forth with your ideas and your thinking and my partner I mean he's he's the opposite to me he'd rather just sit there and not tell anyone so he he is really supportive on how we can work together on sharing the information right I mean 
I've I've not had you know the most straightforward life growing up I have had quite a fair few bits of experiences throughout my life but I've always kind of took took the kind of thought processes well if I share what I've been through and how I got through it then yes it's probably you know five ten minutes of me talking and it's an uncomfortable situation for me but if it's helping someone else then it's worth it and when I started looking you know I learn by you know I'm a visual learner so if I'm going for IVF I want to find videos of other people that have been through IVF and how they managed it and when I first started looking I've probably found two people on YouTube that are from the UK um which yeah. is very limited there's a lot oh. of stories on there from people you know in America and all different countries but it mm. it all varies depending on where you are so by me sharing on YouTube um of a UK experience of someone going through that um at least then it's going to help someone else and e- even with Instagram I mean I've I actually met someone at my clinic that I probably I spoke to on Instagram before and then I met her in a waiting room one day so oh, well, by mistake <laughs> or yeah so it's all it's kind of just about being there and you know my pain is gonna share someone share the journey with someone else and it's not all going to be like that you know I just share the kind of honest reality of it the ups the downs the good the ugly and just by doing that really and it's it's I suppose it's really but humbling when people do reach out to me and they say oh you know thanks for being so honest because I've got to go through this and I, I want to be prepared for it kind of thing you're never going to 100% yeah. be <laughs> no different but that's kind of what inspires me to do it I'm not I'm not 100% on the ball with YouTube though I have to be honest I do get behind <laughs> a little bit <laughs> oh sorry it's but at least nice I get there eventually and it's there for people to have a look at I think it's 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 great because like when somebody finds something out of their own and they they're just a bit lost and they're not really sure what to expect and feel you can feel a bit alone a bit isolated I think it's great yeah that you they can go um and and you've shared your experience like you say you've talked through like the ups and downs and you can really make help somebody to um just a not feel alone alienated but also kind of feel aware of okay this this is you know um you know what the journey could could be like for me too um so I think yeah I think it's really inspiring um so where can where can the members go if they want to follow your channel yes so I have my YouTube channel in which I'll send the link because it's a bunch of jargon it hasn't got a um a true title so people can follow me there or if they want on-day updates in which I do tend to put a lot of posts on and I tend to update my story daily um, the account name for my Instagram is the underscore Charlie underscore chapter. So you'll find me on there as well with every day to day updates. And um, even though we're taking a little bit of time out at the moment, there are still updates that, you know, we're doing behind the scenes. Um, for example, like I mentioned earlier with the postcode lottery, um, NICE guidelines actually advise that every um, clinic should should offer people three rounds of IVF on the NHS which is funded and a lot, a lot of clinics don't do that because it comes down to the um CCGs so again where where you live they then tend to pick what they want to do so at right. the moment I am in talks with uh, our local MP to see Fantastic. if we can challenge our local CCG because ours only offer one rather than the three but again it's guidelines so unless someone's going to challenge it you, you're not always going to get there so 
yeah, yeah. so I'm still updating on things that I'm doing even though I'm not um currently undertaking any rounds of IVF at the moment but if people want to follow me on there they can thank you so much for for joining us today and sharing your story it's been yeah really really lovely to speak to you I think it's it's really inspiring what you're what what you're doing in the workplace and and out on on social media um and I'm gonna keep following your journey and uh, I I, yeah I look forward to seeing what's what's ahead for for you A really warm thank you to Kellyanne Morris for sharing her story with us. We really want to wish her all the best with her journey to parenthood. Thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. Please like, subscribe and share. And you can catch up on all our previous One podcasts by heading over to the Women's Utilities Network website at theone.co.uk. You can also follow the LinkedIn page for regular career and industry updates and insights, as well as to find out what's happening in the One Events programme. Thanks. Bye for now.